Wow, this is a good day in church, y'all. Wow. That's so good. That is, this makes me want to start that second service like today because I want to just do this over and over and over. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, we're in the middle of a sermon series entitled The Good Fight. I'm preaching through 1 and 2 Timothy. And I'm just going to sort of park at one verse today, which is especially difficult. I love all of you so much. Uh, gosh, thank you so much, worship team, for, for that worship this morning. Cafe folks, gosh, we love you all. We know what worship is like for you guys. And I pray it's a good Sunday for you all as well. Uh, today's a, a great day for me. Today is my 23rd anniversary as your pastor. And, and I love that more than anything. Um, thank you all. Oh, my goodness. I, I am the most blessed man alive to be your pastor, uh, and, and y'all know I mean that. I, I love you all so much. Uh, all the pastors I know would give a kidney out of their body to stand where I stand every single Sunday. You are the greatest church uh, that, that the world has ever seen. I, I love you so much. Thank you for 23 years. It goes by really fast, doesn't it? You were, you were all just children when I got here, and uh, and, and the to see how you've grown. Uh, I, I, I love you so much. This month also marks, uh, for me, four years on the other side of cancer, which I love. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Mm. Just amazing to, uh, uh, amazing to put myself back in that place. And, and it's, it's wonderful to be with you in God's house this morning. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, I, I want us to look together at, at especially verse 12, but I want to do a little bit of context here together. Um, I was brought up in a very, very conservative church. Um, some of you were as well, some of you weren't. And so that's why today's sermon could, could sound really weird for some of you. It's like, what? And others of you will understand exactly where I'm coming from. Uh, just very, very conservative, um, beyond traditional. It, it was very, very, very very conservative. Uh, we had rules, a lot of rules for everything, but especially surrounding women and, and how women would, would dress, how women would act uh, in and out of church. There were a lot of rules. I think it was uh, especially hard for, for women. Um, rules about what women could wear. Uh, women weren't allowed to wear pants when I was growing up in, in the church I grew up in. Um, in, in church or out of church, if our pastor saw you like at the Piggly Wiggly with a pair of blue jeans on, like he would call you out uh, at, at Piggly Wiggly. Um, I mean, just true story. It, it, it was a lot like that. In church, women uh, weren't allowed to, to, to pray or to teach or, you know, ever, ever, you know, God forbid to preach, not at all. Um, there were seasons where we argued whether or not they should be able to speak at all. Um, uh, there were times when they weren't allowed even to speak in a business meeting, not allowed to vote, uh, just, just that sort of thing. Um, now, that's the church I learned to love Jesus in, so I, I can say lots and lots of wonderful things about that church as well. But, but understand, I grew up with that, that kind of very legalistic context. My family left uh, that church, and, uh, and, and we, the first church we visited uh, was Woodburn Baptist Church because we lived in Woodburn. And we drove past this church uh, all my life on the, way to, uh, on the way to other churches. And so uh, we just decided to visit Woodburn. And being, you know, that, you know, Baptist family, uh, we visited on a Sunday night. You know, I mean, we, we, we were Sunday night church people and Wednesday night church people. And if the door opened, we would have been Tuesday night, you know, church people. Um, visit on a Sunday night. 
First thing I noticed about Woodburn Baptist Church was women were wearing pants. And I thought right away, well, this won't be our church. You know, this ain't going to be our, you know, it won't be our church at all. I, I did. It, because you got to understand, when you're raised like that, it's not just a fashion choice, it's a moral choice. And, and I had always been taught that the Bible said that, that women, in, in, again, you'd have a hard time finding pants in the concordance, but at the same time, uh, I just had always understood that all of this came from the Bible and it was non-negotiable. So women at Woodman were wearing pants and, and that, you know, right there really sort of, really bothered me. Um, the pastor preached, he didn't scream, spit, he didn't get mad at the devil, he didn't get on top of the, you know, communion table like, like the preachers I'd known who, who could just peel the paint off the walls, you know, with a, with, with a sermon. Uh, Brother Morris just preached the word. Uh, and at the time, I thought, that ain't preaching. That can't be preaching at all. And, and at the end of the service, um, Wallace Morris was a pastor. Wallace Morris called on a woman to lead in prayer. And I thought, that is it. That is it. A, a, a woman led in prayer in public, in church, with a room full of perfectly good men. Uh, a, a woman led in prayer. Um, needless to say... Uh, this church has become my church home, and I'm very grateful for that. And all through my life at Woodburn Baptist Church, I have been nurtured spiritually by, by the men, of course. The men of the church are amazing, but by the women as well. Uh, we've been blessed to have women of such wisdom and worth and freedom but I want us to talk about that. I want us to talk about that because there are, uh, especially this passage in particular, you know, one verse in particular that is usually quoted in order to keep women sort of silenced and sidelined in the body of Christ. And it really is, for the most part, just a, a very, very few passages, but this is one. Uh, so on my anniversary, I'm just going to go to the worst, <laughs> the hardest verse to preach, uh, the, the one verse guaranteed to make everybody in the church mad at me. Uh, I'll, I'm just dumb enough to go there to today. Uh, but, but no, I, I feel like, let's, let, let's talk about it. Let's go straight to that verse and then talk about it. The, the verse in particular, the verse that people tend to uh, sort of pull out of Scripture and then, and then use is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. Actually, go back to verse 11. Do the two verses. It's a double whammy. Verse 11. Women should learn quietly and submissively. Now, that's the New Living Translation. Your translation may say they should learn in silence. They should be silent. Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over men. Let them listen quietly. Let them learn in silence, that, that sort of thing is a translation. Um, I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them l listen quietly. That's, uh, th that's the verse. Uh, that's, that's the verse that uh, I've heard preached all my life. Uh, and and, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's often just that verse. So can we talk about that a bit? Uh, number one, we are in a church where women are free to teach. And so if nothing else, some of you ought to be saying, well, then how do we do that? And are, are we ignoring this verse? Are we, are we, are we taking this verse seriously? Uh, we take this verse and all verses very seriously. So let's just kind of walk through this together. Everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Um, 
verse 12. First off, let's just take a moment and just work through some principles of interpreting the Bible. And this is sort of basic, but it's also the kind of thing we don't often teach one another. And so let's just do this first. Let me say this. In terms of just reading and understanding the Bible, it is unwise to read only one verse. That should be an obvious sort of thing. But, but honestly, if you find a verse that says something you really, really like, you know, then that's often as far as you go. And if that one verse has, has always been read to you in one way, and it's the only verse you've heard, and, but again, it's just unwise to read only one verse. Read more before making up your mind. So just basic biblical interpretive principle uh, it's not wise to read just one verse. You should read more of the Bible before you make up your mind. And this is one of those instances where if this is the only verse you had or the only verse you care to read, you could get a, a, a very uh, warped picture of what the church is. And, and I mean that from a biblical perspective. If this is the only verse we had, we would assume that Paul only wanted churches where women were silent, where women were sidelined, where they were never permitted to speak, and where all of the offices of leadership and teaching were appointed by men. That, that, that would be the, the understanding. And honestly, that's the way I grew up, and, and that's what a lot of you have always heard, primarily because we've only really bothered to read one or two verses. And I'm just saying, that's not wise. That, that's not wise. Read more, but read more. Because here's the second principle. You have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. If you really want to know what the Bible says, what the Bible means when it speaks, you let the Bible interpret itself. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Now, when I say that, there are lots of things that we often uh, allow to, to rise above Scripture, and then we bring those things and let those things interpret Scripture. For example, our opinions. You know, we often bring our own opinions, and then we let our opinions interpret Scripture so that then Scripture ends up meaning just sort of anything we want it to mean because our opinions for us are more authoritative than, than God's Word. Or, or, or sometimes it's more tradition, you know, what we've always heard, what, we have, what we've always been told. Sometimes it's the culture. We let the culture tell us what is moral, what is right, what the Bible should say, and therefore we sort of reinterpret or rewrite the Bible to please culture. We can't do any of these things. We let Scripture interpret Scripture. Always let Scripture in, in, interpret Scripture. So that's why you have to read more. Remember last week we were talking about Paul's advice to young Timothy, and he said that you need to study to show yourself approved by God, a, a worker who needs never be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's just this very important principle that we have to learn how to rightly handle the sword of God's word. You, you have to learn how to sort of deal with, with, with the whole book. So uh, again, it, it's never wise to read only one verse and you let scripture in, interpret scripture. You need to read a little bit more. So uh, if we're trying to interpret, if we really want to understand what Paul is trying to say in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, let's just agree that, let's read more. Let's just read more and not uh, take everything that we want to say out of, out, out of a couple of verses. Now, every verse has a context. It has a, the, the context of where it is in Scripture. We're going to read more of, of, of what Paul is saying in this particular you know, local context. But also, there's, there's a whole New Testament. There's everything else Paul has said. So let's sort of start there. Let, let's go to sort of everything else Paul says about the church and, and about women. And, uh, and, and for that, 
let me just sort of go to several verses that, that we'll work through sort of together. Acts chapter 18, verse 26. Again, you can either turn or just jot these down to look at later. Acts 18, 26 is a particular episode when Paul is in the city of Corinth, and he meets this really amazing Christian couple named Priscilla and Aquila. And every time Priscilla and Aquila are named in Scripture, Priscilla is named first, which gives her a kind of prominence over her husband, which is interesting, but, but, but everybody would agree that that's what happens. Priscilla's always named first. And there is a teacher, a, a, a teacher named Apollos, who comes on the scene. And Apollos is a very wise man, a, a very good man. The problem is, he, he is as good a teacher as he is. He is not always doctrinally sound, doctrinally correct. So in the book of Acts, Paul specifically mentions how Priscilla and Aquila, but Priscilla has this role in teaching Apollos. So she has this role in correcting his doctrine, helping him get onto a track of reliable Christian teaching. So in Acts chapter 18, in other places, Priscilla is, is, is praised for her, for her teaching ministry, which I think in itself is something you have to pay attention to. Turn to Romans chapter 16. This is the end of the book of Romans. Paul, of course, is the author again. Paul writes in Romans 16. This is one of those, you know, when Paul finishes a letter, he'll spend like the, the tail end of it saying, you know, say, say hi to everybody for me, uh, kiss everybody for me. That's just sort of Paul. Uh, he has a personal connection in most of the churches that he writes letters to because he probably planted them or intends to visit them. And so he has personal connections. He knows people and he'll often commend people, say hello to people. And Romans 16 is one of those places, uh, because of that, you probably skip over it. Because it's just a lot of names. Hey, say hi to you know, say hi to Pete, say hello to so and so. It's it's just that sort of thing. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, he says. And, and and you probably stopped reading before then, but but you should keep reading because it's really interesting. Romans 16 includes some people that you probably haven't heard of. For example, right off the bat, Romans 16, verse 1, Paul commends a woman named Phoebe who's a deacon. Like he didn't just say, hey, watch out, there's a woman deacon out there. You better, you know, everybody, you know, better lock your doors, you know. No, he says, listen, this woman is awesome. She's a deacon in the church at Sancria. I commend her to you. Now, the reason that Paul commends her, and this is when you read across Paul, it's very likely that Phoebe herself has carried the letter of, of Romans to the Romans. There's no post office, there's no mailman. You know, in this case, it's a male deaconess. So it's very likely Phoebe has carried the letter of Romans. And, and in that, it's, it's also possible that she would have been the first one to read it out loud to the church at Rome. So you just got to put some things in perspective. Paul knew of women deacons and, and Paul affirmed a woman deacon named Phoebe. And, and, and if that surprises you, just don't let it surprise you. It's in the Bible. And it's always been there. As long as you've had a Bible, Phoebe's been in there. I commend our sister Phoebe to you. In verse 3, again, he mentions Priscilla and Aquila, always naming her first. But notice what he calls them both. My co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. He calls Priscilla his co-worker in ministry. Now, and he's always, by the way, I, that's not new. I, I didn't just bring this up. I mean, it's always been in the Bible. It's always been there. And then in verse 7, Paul mentions two people, Andronicus and Junia. 
Junia is, is a woman's name. It's June. My fellow Jews who were in prison with me. So here's a woman named June, a Christian woman named June, who had been in prison with Paul. I've never heard that story. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. It's that phrase, highly respected among the apostles. We don't really know. This is the only reference to Andronicus in June in all of Scripture. So we don't exactly know what he's saying there. But it's possible that Paul has just named a woman in June who was an apostle. She's among the apostles. So she's either thought well among the apostles or among the apostles. She's one of them and one of those that is held in high esteem. One way or the other, uh, Paul obviously lives in this world and, and, and understands the church as being this amazing place of the spirit where men and women are co-workers in ministry. We okay? Y'all looking at me funny. I'm reading the Bible to you. And, and I'm not changing anything. This has always been there. Uh, when Paul speaks of the church, it, it, it's much different than, than when, when preachers just find one verse like 1 Timothy chapter 2 and then hammer that one for years. It, it's a different picture when, when you begin to read more. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 15. Now this is interesting. 1 Corinthians is also one of those places where you find a verse that, that seems to say that women are supposed to be silent. But then you've got this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, around verse 5, notice that Paul tells women what they should wear when they pray or prophesy in church. Like He tells them what they should wear, that they should keep their head covered when they're praying or prophesying. Some people would say preaching. Uh, when the woman is praying or prophesying, I mean, Paul doesn't say, don't let her do it. He just says she probably ought to wear a nice hat. I mean, that's what Paul says. It's shameful if she does it without her head covered, but, but he fully expects and permits women to speak in public worship. They'll be leading in prayer. They'll be prophesying. I mean, Paul has that expectation. He just doesn't want to see them up there with a the big old hairdo. You know, they should keep their head covered, he says. So isn't that interesting? Have you ever really looked at that or thought about that? So even though Paul seems later to say that women shouldn't be speaking out of turn or speaking out of order, he still fully expects that in public worship they will have a role, a, a, a vocal role. They're going to pray. They're going to lead. You're going to see them up front. Just make sure they wear hats. So if y'all want to have an argument about women in church, we got to start with whether or not they should wear hats. I mean, that's where we got to go. If we're going to be literal in, in interpreting Scripture, then the real conversation is why, why ain't y'all wearing hats? Which they all used to do, by the way. Y'all know that? I mean, women used to wear hats to church. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Uh, go there with me. Galatians three twenty-eight, a, a famous verse, but one we should take with some seriousness. Paul says, Verse 27, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. So therefore, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Wow. So, so these lines between male and female, Paul says the Spirit just erases that. 
You know, we don't make those distinctions anymore because what unites us in Christ, what makes us the same in Christ is much more powerful than anything that could divide us or make us different. On the day of Pentecost, the the prophet Joel was proclaiming that when the Holy Spirit would be poured out, your sons and your daughters would prophesy. There's just this amazing uh, wave of the Spirit that, that seems to give women more freedom, not less. So, again, we just have to start there. Start with reading more, uh, just sort of understanding more and, and more of the Scripture. But then back to 1 Timothy. Let's go to the immediate context. That's sort of the, the, the larger Bible context where we know that Paul knows of and expects of women who are going to take a vocal role in, in the church. So, so what's he saying to Timothy here? Let's read more of the context. Let's go... Uh, I'd love to do more. We'll do more in small groups tonight. On the live event, you'll find study questions. It'll take you through more of this chapter. But let's just go to verse 8 right now and go again through verse 12. Let's read this much of the context. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Women should learn quietly and submissively. I don't let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. Uh, Now, again, if we're trying to let the Scripture interpret the Scripture, then, then, then let's come back to what we're reading. This is a letter to the pastor Timothy, the young pastor Timothy. Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus for one purpose, and what is that? I've already told you. What is that? To, to, yeah, to, the church is blowing up with false teaching, false teachers, and that's important. The church has a lot of false teachers, false teaching. And so Paul has left Timothy there to clean that up, to clean it up. The, the, the church is, is, is in controversy, it's in conflict, it's blowing up. And so Paul has left Timothy there to, to fix the problems. And, and, and one of the primary problems is false teaching. So remember, Paul is writing this personal letter to Timothy to give him instructions for how to restore the church of Ephesus to health and harmony. I'll say that again. In this passage, Paul is presenting guidelines for restoring health and harmony to the troubled Ephesian church. Now, that's what Timothy would have understood. When he got this letter, he knew that Paul is telling him about Ephesus. And so Timothy would first be thinking about about Ephesus. Now, one of the things you need to know about Ephesus, I'll put it on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Get this piece, because this matters too. Paul's talking about false teachers. These false teachers who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women, such women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. All right? So 2 Timothy, Paul starts talking in a little more depth about the false teachers. He says they're the kind of people who work their way into people's homes, win the confidence of vulnerable women, and then these women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. So Paul's talking about Ephesus, the church where Timothy is, and there's false teachers. But the false teachers, they sort of have a strategy. And what's their strategy? They, do, they make their rounds in the daytime while all the men are at work and the women are home watching The View. 
he goes and, and he find that they find vulnerable women and, and these women get really excited about what they're learning from the false teachers. The problem is they don't know enough of the gospel to know that it's false. They, they, they get carried away with new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. So the false teachers in Ephesus have a tremendous sway over the women in Ephesus. You, did you get that? You start to understand how this verse begins to speak? I mean, so what we begin to understand, I mean, you take all this together, the picture that emerges is a church where unlearned and misguided women are taking over in teaching situations where they're not the teachers. You have unlearned women. Paul says these women, they don't know enough to know truth from lies. So, so they're unlearned. That's why Paul in verse 11 says, listen, let them learn. Let them learn. That in itself, understand, in the ancient world, women weren't always permitted to learn. Jewish women weren't always permitted to learn. But Paul says, no, you let them learn. Let them learn. They need to learn. They're unlearned women, but they've also been misguided, been deceived by false teachers. And these women, it seems, are taking over in teaching situations where they're not the teacher. You get that? So with all of that in context, what we begin to see is that Paul's giving some very specific instructions to Timothy for his church. And if the problem is false teaching that's especially prevalent among the women who were disruptive in teaching situations, it makes sense that Paul would say, listen, you need to let the women learn. I mean, let them be there, but, but you make sure that they just remain quiet. That They need to learn. Let them learn. And they can't be domineering. They can't be dominating. They can't step forward in situations where they're not the teacher. think that's what he's saying. Notice I said I think because I also think some of you are sitting out there thinking, I don't think that's what he's saying. <laughs> um, I, I, I recognize that. So uh, let me say this. The Bible just doesn't always speak with clarity you desire. I, I, I know that that, that for some of us, it's like, this is just so clear. And what I just described to you, I think that just makes sense. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, because I look at everything else Paul says and everything about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and it just doesn't make any sense at all. That, I mean, this verse just is like, what? It, it, it's not coherent with everything else you read in, in, in Scripture. You, you've got to find a way to in, in, let the Scripture interpret the Scripture. I mean, that makes sense to me. But some of you go, well, it just says right here. And so obviously, there's not the clarity that, that we all wish. If, if it were all that clear, that, then we would all be agreeing on this a long time ago. It's, it's just, the Bible doesn't always speak with the kind of clarity that you want. Now, the Bible is always clear on matters related to salvation. And, and when it comes to salvation, the message of Jesus, I mean, that is the gospel message. And that is not ambiguous. There's nothing unclear about Jesus. There's nothing unclear about salvation in Jesus. All of that is obvious. But, but there are secondary issues, the kind of questions that we raise sometimes. What about uh, what about smoking marijuana? <laughs> you know, or, you know, I mean, look at, I mean, you're not going to find marijuana in there, uh, you know, what about, you know, uh, refugees and, you know, what about nuclear weapons? And um, at that point, it comes back to just learning to rightly handle the word of truth. You've got to learn to find the principles of scripture and, and apply those. But, but I'm just saying, 
There's secondary issues, and I consider this a secondary issue. I mean, for Paul, in the book of Corinthians, he's talking about some false teachers elsewhere or some teachers that, that seem to have some mixed motives. And Paul says, listen, if they're preaching Jesus, I don't care. If they're preaching Jesus, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I don't have anything against them. If they're preaching Jesus, I'll leave them alone. And, and that's just sort of me. If, if, if you're preaching Jesus, you know, I, I, you're good with me. I, I, you just are. That's why when other churches in the Warren Association have women deacons or when um, uh, in, in the Thanksgiving rotation where we always, you know, we join together with churches in our local community and we have a, a, a Thanksgiving service every year together. We've done it for, for 40 years. And, but we got some Methodists who sometimes rotate in a woman preacher. And every time the Methodists preach, they preach at Woodburn. And so several times it sort of dawned on you, oh my Lord, you know, the Methodist church is preaching. They're going to bring their woman preacher, you know. What's Pastor Tim going to do? What did Pastor Tim do? Well, let her preach. And in every single instance, she preached Jesus really well. I mean, really well. And for so many reasons, I just couldn't imagine telling that woman to sit down. We may not all agree on this. And I'm just saying this is just probably something that, that churches will disagree on. I, I just want to encourage us at, at Woodburn, you know, churches that don't do it like us, if they're preaching Jesus, leave them alone. You know, just leave them alone. And, uh, and let's us just try to continue to rightly handle the word of truth and, uh, and be faithful to the way the Spirit leads us. I, I can't imagine we would want to do a- anything different. Uh, let me close with this. Some of you will like this, some of you won't. Oh, well, it's my anniversary. Um, <laughs> just this. Um, and, and honestly, I, I don't even know. I don't know how we could argue about this. Because this just seems as plain as a nose on my face, which is plain, I understand. Um, don't be surprised if you see God using women in the church to do all the things he uses them to do in the Bible. He never changes. God never changes. So don't be surprised if he uses women in our day to do all the things that he used women in the Bible days to do. And honestly, if you read the Bible, read the whole Bible, read in there. I don't see a single role assigned to a man that isn't also somewhere fulfilled by a woman. In the Bible, in in the Bible, so I, I would just say this. I mean, don't, don't be surprised if, if you see God using women in the church to do all the things he uses them to do in the Bible. And in the Bible, they do everything. My family came into Woodburn on a Sunday night. Um, women were wearing pants. <laughs> um, pastor called on a woman to lead in prayer. Her name was Dorothy Hollins, by the way. Hearing that woman pray um, changed something in me. Hearing that woman pray is probably what 
brought our family back to Woodburn on Sunday morning. And it wasn't about the politics of that. My family, I mean, we weren't political. It wasn't about having an agenda. And it really wasn't about, wow, it feels good to finally hear a woman pray. No, it wasn't that at all either. At that moment, I don't think I could have told you how I felt about women praying in church, but after hearing her pray, I could tell you how I felt about Dorothy Holland's praying in church. She talked to God, and she just talked to God. So I stand here, gosh, decades later, just really thankful to Woodburn Baptist Church. I mean, really thankful to you. Um, I love that in all of your history, for the most part, this hasn't been an issue. Women and men have just been co-workers in ministry. It's been a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Through the years, our church has been blessed by uh, women workers. I mean workers, and women who pray, and women who teach, women who serve, and just women who love Jesus. And I just want to remind you how much we still need women. I mean, we, we still need we still need the wisdom and the work of our grandmothers and mothers and our daughters. Probably now more than ever. So when you run across a verse like 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, I just remind you, it's not wise to only read one verse. You should read more before you make up your mind and then let Scripture interpret Scripture for you. Just always remember the freedom that the Spirit brings. God is free, and he can do whatever he wants. And what he does is always good. You pray with me. God, some things are just so hard. God, for those of us who've been in church our whole lives, Lord, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to hear a word preached differently than what we've heard before. It's, most of all, it's really hard to change our minds, Lord. And yet, God, help us never to hold our own opinions or beliefs. Help us not to hold these things more dearly than we hold your Holy Spirit and the Spirit's role in teaching us. God, I pray here at this church we will always love you more than anything else, but that we will love your word and that we will always commit ourselves to rightly handling it, interpreting it, doing the hard work of reading all of it, applying all of it, learning from it. God, I thank you so much for the men of this church who have served with courage and with generosity and with commitment and faithfulness, Lord, but I thank you for all the women right there beside us, Lord, who have shown us what it means to love Jesus with whole hearts who have prayed and prayed and prayed and uh, gone through boxes and boxes of tissues, Lord, uh, praying for us and carrying our burdens. Lord, I thank you for the women in this very moment who are teaching in rooms all up and down the hallways. Lord, I thank you for the women who've led in worship today and on other days. Lord, it's 
not about who's a man and who's a woman, Lord. It's just simply about who the Son sets free. It's about who the Spirit chooses to bestow gifts upon. It's about who you, oh Lord, choose to use. Jesus, I just pray that all of us together will commit ourselves together to surrendering to you, to being used by you, Lord, that you may use all of our gifts, Lord, that we may not exclude ourselves from anything that you have called us to do. Jesus, bless this church, bless its women, bless its men, bless its boys, bless its girls, and may all of us together always know what it means to be students of the word, servants of the living God, children of a loving Father. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.